Over the last year, we have got to recognize many different groups of people who have um, had to endure some pretty hardships through this whole pandemic. We acknowledged our medical workers, we acknowledged our police, we acknowledged our firefighters. One group that I do not feel like we acknowledged enough was our mothers. During this time, our mothers became superheroes. They always were though, right? Or at least we think. But they, come, they become superheroes. They had to learn things that mothers hadn't had to learn before. They had to learn how to be a homeschool teacher and a work, work mom at the same time. They had to learn how to deal with kids at home seven days a week for longer than just the summer. A lot of you are struggling on that, and I know. They had to learn how to do Zoom calls. I know um, it was funny trying to... When all this started off, trying to get my mom to learn how to do an online Zoom call to get into her small group. Oh, I'm glad those days are over. But honestly, mothers have been champions during this whole time. And this morning, we honor all mothers. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Harmony Grove. For our, for our friends who are online with us this morning, we hope you're having a happy Mother's Day as well. That little clip held a lot of truth to it. It was a struggle. But moms, happy Mother's Day. You made it. Almost. I personally have had, a, had the influence of many mothers in my life. Some of which, some of those mothers never even had children. And during all that time of having all this influence, it's also caused me to be aware that Mother's Day means many different things. For many different individuals. A couple of years ago, my wife sent me this email, and it was an email entitled, she didn't write it, it was somebody else who wrote it, but it was an email entitled to the pastor, what Mother's Day means for some. And it gave a little poem or a little acknowledgement that I have made part of our service off and on for the last couple of years. I know we didn't do it last year, but I really wanted to be sure that it was read this year. This acknowledges mothers of every walk of life. So to those who gave birth this year, mothers, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, mothers, we mourn with you. To those in the trenches with little ones, with food-stained badges all over their clothes, we want you to know we appreciate you. To those who experienced loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, runaways, mothers, we grieve with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, we want you to know that we walk with you. And we ask you to please forgive us when we say some very foolish things. To those moms, foster moms, step moms, mentor moms, spiritual moms, we want you to know we need you and we are forever grateful for you. To those who may have lost your mom, we want you to know that our hearts break with you. To those who may have placed their child up for adoption, Mothers, we want you to know that we hold those children in our hearts as well. 
to those who may have had an abortion. We want you to know that we remember you and your child today. And we want you to know that forgiveness is here. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and every test of motherhood known to man. Mothers, we want you to know that we are better for having you in our midst. Being a mother is a hard task. But just because you are not the mother of an earthly child, that does not mean that you are not a mother. Mother means many things. I've learned that over many years. Some mothers that I've had in my past, like I said, they had no children of their own. Some of the mothers that I had in my past, I, can, I had to write them down just to, to name them all. Some of them had children, some of them didn't. I think about my grandma who kept me while my mom worked. I think about Miss Faye who taught me the Bible in Sunday school. I think about Miss Graypell who gave me extra cookies at Vacation Bible School. I think about Diane, my mother-in-law, who kept me from doing some pretty stupid stuff when I was a teenager. I think about Shovel, who constantly corrected me, but also made sure that I had everything that I needed when I started my ministry. I think about Mama Donna, Mama June, and Mama Carolyn, and the constant source of encouragement that they are to me. I think about my wife, who has continued to raise me for the last 14 years. I'm a big boy now. <laughs> no audience participation on this, please. But I also think about my mom, who loved me at my worst. It's not an easy task. It's not an easy task. But we have to remember, it's a task that you have been assigned to. And I know there's days. There's days that it gets overwhelming. But at the same time, I want you to take some notes from today's scripture. Because over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through Matthew 13. We've been going through all the parables. And we've been talking about a kingdom of grace. And about how we need to be living our lives for the kingdom now. And one of the things that Jesus is going to be talking about today is, is he's going to be talking about patience. He's going to be talking about a different perspective. And two things, as we turn to Matthew 13, verses 31 through 33, two things that I want you to think about and write down. First, I want you to think about this. Everything starts small. Believe it or not, when I came into this world, I was small. I was 10 pounds, 2 ounces, but I was still small. But everything starts off small. The next thing I want us to realize this morning is that unseen things make a big difference. So if you will, read with me in Matthew 13. Verses 31 through 33. He presented another parable to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is a smaller than all the other seeds. But when it is full grown, it is larger 
It is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds of the air come and nest in its branches. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until all was leavened. Pray with me, guys. Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for all mothers of all walk of life. We want to thank you for those spiritual mothers that we've had. We want to thank you for the encouragement that all women have brought us throughout all the years. And Father, it is true to say, without moms and you, we wouldn't be here. Father, sometimes I think we forget, even moms forget, how big of an influence they have. While their parts may seem small from time to time, or they may feel insignificant to them, because of you placing these women in our lives, we are who we are today, and we're thankful for that. Now, Father, as we dig into this scripture today, it is my prayer that you wouldn't just speak to the mothers, but you would speak to all of us. Remind us, Lord, that everything in life does start off small. But also keep us in mind that unseen things in our life can make a huge difference. Father, this morning, we are forever dependent on you. So speak to us, God, through your word, through this time that we have together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When Jesus is talking to this group of individuals, now this is a fairly large group of individuals and the disciples. But when Jesus is talking to them, he's trying to put in perspective what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. The first one was the parable of the sower. Talked about the different types of soil. Talked about the conditions of the heart. Jerry talked about the the tares, the wheat and the tares. Talked about how the two were sown together and how when the, re- when the harvest come, that then they were separated. But today we're going to be talking about something that's a little bit harder. We're going to be talking about how long to reap a harvest it may take. He uses a parable in here talking about a mustard seed. Now we've all heard the parable of the mustard seed. We've all heard the one also about the, um, mustard, the faith of the size of a mustard seed. But this is talking about something very specific to people in this time that they would have understood. In this day, mustard was something that they grew readily. It was a spice that they used throughout a lot of their cuisine. So everybody knew about this. And everybody knew that of all the seeds that they planted, this was the smallest one that they planted. It's not the smallest seed, but it's the smallest seed that they planted. So they knew that typically a mustard plant after from that small seed could grow to about four feet. But they also knew that if that mustard plant was left alone, it could tower as high as 10 to 15 feet. So what's Jesus trying to tell the disciples? Everything starts small. This is a hard concept for us to grasp. Especially in today's time. We want things to get big fast, don't we? We want things to move 
fast. We want things to progress fast. And I was, uh, as I was sitting here thinking about Hannah and all of our graduates, some things hit me that just never really struck with me before. Think about this for a minute. It takes 20 years, 20 years, to develop a blue-collar worker. You ever thought about that? We're just not born and put into the workforce. My boys are about to graduate from CEC, and I'm already asking them where they're going to get a job since they're graduating. And uh, Chick-fil-A looks like it's one. So. But it takes 20 years to develop a blue-collar worker. It takes 22 years to develop a white-collar worker. It takes 24 years to develop an architect it takes, or a dentist. It takes 26 years to develop a doctor, a lawyer, or even a scientist or a professor. These things just don't happen overnight. It takes time for these things to develop. And sometimes in our own walk, we forget that our walk with Christ sometimes takes time as well. After thinking about this, 20 years for a blue collar, 22 years for a white collar, 24 years for an architect, and 26 years for a doctor, one question comes to my mind. How many years do you think it takes to develop a true believer? Think about that for a minute. 20 years for a white-collar worker. 22 years for a blue-collar worker. 24 years for an architect. 26 years for a doctor. How many years does it take to develop a true, authentic believer? The answer is that can be a multitude of answers for many different people. I've known people who have come to know Christ when they were 80 years old, and I have known children that have come to know Christ when they were nine years old. But even when they come to know Christ, are they fully developed? No. No. Mothers, you understand this. When your child is born, are they fully developed? Was Easton fully developed when he was fully born? No. Elena, were you fully developed when you were born? No. And over time, mothers specifically, not dads, mothers specifically, know that patience is needed with bringing up a child. I'm not good with patience. I'm not good with patience at all. But a mother knows that patience is the one thing that is required. Jesus is trying to tell the disciples and the followers this same thing. We have to realize that everything starts off small, even our faith. Jesus is talking to the disciples one day and he says, the disciples are discouraged because they're not able to make things happen the way they think they should happen. And Jesus says something to them. He said, if you had the faith the size of a what? You could tell this mountain to throw itself in the water, and it would. I've always been puzzled by that. 
If it takes the faith of a mustard seed to move a mountain, how much faith do I really have? That's a hard thing to grasp. It's a hard thing for us to deal with. And it's a hard thing for parents to understand too. Children don't become instant adults. Students, Hannah, our other college, our other college graduates, remember this. Degrees don't become instant success. Church, remember this. The lost don't become instant disciples. And all of us who struggle, and I mean it, all of us who struggle with our faith, our faith starts small. Over trials, over time, and over life, it grows bigger. When Jesus is telling this to the people of this time, you've got to understand what the people of this time were wanting. The people of this time were wanting a king to come in and take over the government. They were expecting a military action to come in and to overthrow what was happening. But Jesus is trying to tell them, this is not what I have come to do. It's going to take time, is what he's telling them in this parable. When you plant a seed, it doesn't instantly grow, does it? It takes time. Anything that will last, anything that is built to last, it takes time to build it. But we also have to remember this. Unseen things can have a big impact. He uses an analogy or a parable in this, talking about leaven. We all know what leaven is, right? What's, what, what's, the, what's the one type of leaven that we use often? Yeast. Do you know what yeast is? I always thought it was a bacteria. I was wrong. It's a fungus. I always thought it was a bacteria. It's a fungus. But do you know how it works? Because I want you to think about this for a minute. When we put yeast in bread, that yeast will start to consume the sugars and the carbohydrates. Do you know what happens when the yeast consumes the sugars and carbs? You know what the yeast does? It produces gas. Think about soup beans. <laughs> Think about Friday Mexican. It produces gas. And when it is in that dough, it causes it to start to slowly expand. So the next time today when you tear into that yeast roll, I want you to think about this is actually a gas roll. You're smothering some good honey butter on it, but that's what it is. You'll never eat a yeast roll again, but it's all good. But... What he's trying to explain to them is that we cannot per se see what happens with the yeast. Nobody can see this happen. They know that the leaven goes into the flour. They know that it's mixed together. They know that the yeast starts to break down, starts to do what it does, and it starts to rise. Jennifer loves making these yeast rolls. She buys them at the store. They're frozen. You lay them out, and you lay them out all day. They start off this big. By the end of the day, these things are the size of a softball. It amazes me. She found these loaf bread ones the other day. I love them too. They're great. Yeah, I know they're gas bread, but I love them. But we left it out way too long one day. Y'all know what a bread pan is? That sucker was six inches over the bread pan. I have never seen anything like it before. We cook it, 
And you know what it did? It left a big hole straight through the middle of that bread. You could not, I mean, it was, it was good, but it was, it was crazy. But we can't see that process that is taken down. Leaven is added to flour, and the yeast eats the sugars. When the yeast eats the sugars, it produces gas. And then we see the effect. Unseen things, and what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples and all the people, is unseen things that are going to be taking place in their lives are going to make a big difference in what they're trying to accomplish. The people of this time wanted an instant result, though, didn't they? They wanted a military action. They wanted a government overthrown. They wanted justice in Jerusalem. Sound familiar? But that wasn't what Jesus came to do. He came to do something unseen. He came to change the hearts and minds of all the people who would believe in him. And you know, as a pastor, that's what gets me the most. It's hard for me sometimes to tell where people are with Jesus. You know what I mean? I don't know if you realize this or not, but there is only one person in this room that I can tell you that is saved. You know who that is? It's me. I can't tell you if Tommy's saved. I can't tell you if Cliff is saved. I can't tell you if Brian's saved. I can't tell you if Mike's saved. I can't tell you this. Why? Because this is an unseen transformation that takes place on the inside. And I'm going to tell you something. As believers, we get hung up on this a lot. We get hung up to the point where we feel like we can determine where people are with God and where people are without God. I can't do that. I can't tell what's on a person's heart. Only Jesus can do that. There was a man by the name of Nicodemus in John chapter 3 who came to Jesus and was asking Jesus about what he was coming to do. And he says some things to Nicodemus that kind of throw him off guard. He tells Nicodemus that he must be reborn. This threw Nicodemus off. He asked a question. Well, do I need to jump back in my mother's womb? What do I need to do to be reborn? And Jesus starts to tell him how he has to have faith in what he is going to do. And Nicodemus has a big problem with this. So Jesus then tells him, Nicodemus... Can you see the wind? Can you? Can any of you see wind? We can see the effects of wind. We see the leaves blow. We see tornadoes form. We see buildings get blown over. We see trees get uprooted. But can we honestly see the wind? No. Internal transformation is not always an easy thing to see, guys. 
A mother understands this. She pours her life into her children. She does everything that she can to grow them up to be respectable human beings. But sometimes even she, sometimes even she can't see it. The people of this time, what did they constantly want? They wanted a sign. That Jesus was coming to show them something that they can't see. Brothers and sisters, let me ask you a question. What are we wanting today? Do we want a sign or do we want Jesus? Because if we want Jesus, we're not always going to be able to see what he's doing in our lives. If we want Jesus, we're not always going to be able to see the rapid change that we think needs to happen. If we want Jesus, we're not always going to see the advancement in an individual's life. If we want Jesus, it's going to be something that's unseen, but it's going to make a big difference. Yesterday, an amazing thing happened, or I thought it was amazing. It hadn't happened in a while. Yesterday, we went to my mom's for Mother's Day weekend. And I think it's the first time in about five years that it was me, my brother, and my sister all sitting at the table with my mom. As we were sitting there talking, as we were sitting there discussing everything that's going on in our lives... Mom begins to let us know how proud of us she was and where we were today. How proud of my sister she was for the nurse that she's become. How proud of uh, my brother for the manager of a resort that he's become. How proud of me for the pastor that I'm still becoming. But you know what I've seen through all this? I didn't see the accomplishments. Here's what I saw. I saw 50 years of pain. Me, my brother, and my sister, we put my mom through some horrible pain in her life. I saw 50 years of trials. Calls from the jail. It wasn't just me. I had, to, I had help in that. Calls from friends. Calls from work. I've seen 50 years of mistakes, not on her part, on ours. I saw 50 years of sleepless nights and uncertain days. And while I'm sitting there thinking about all that my mom endured, I couldn't help but wonder. There's no way she could have saw. There's no way she could have foreknew. There's no way she could have even began to predict what she saw at the table 
yesterday morning. Being a mother, I guarantee it's the hardest job on the planet. It's a life of trials. It's a life of uncertainties. It's a life of seeing your children make mistakes and not being able to do anything about it. But while I looked at 50 years of all this stuff, mom looked at her kids in that one moment and finally had a moment of joy. Jesus is trying to tell the disciples and the people that are going to follow him the same thing. It's going to be tough. If we really walk the walk that we're called to walk, it's going to be tough. Brothers and sisters, parenting takes time. Life takes time. Faith takes time. Salvation takes time. Discipleship takes time. We just need to remember everything starts small. And unseen things in our life are what make the biggest difference. Over this last year, I've seen mothers come close to the end of their rope. I've seen mothers wonder if their kids were going to survive even at their own hands. But at the same time, I've seen fathers come to the end of their rope as well. I've seen pastors walk away from the ministry. I've seen people leave spouses. I've seen people give up because things were taking a little bit longer than what they thought they should. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you're at this morning, but I'm here to tell you everything in our life that will ever be built into anything big will start small. And anything that will grow to be something powerful will have a lot of unseen influence behind it. So this morning, I gotta ask you, where are you at? Where are you at? Mom, have you about give up on your kids? You raised them to do better. You tried everything in your power to help them to become productive adults, but it just hasn't turned out. Keep your hope in Jesus. Dads struggled to make ends meet, struggled with finances over this time through, pand- through the pandemic, still not understanding how your kids are going to get sent to college. Keep your hope in Jesus. Church, it's been crazy. 
It's been wild. We've had to figure out how we were going to meet, how we were going to gather. But even during this time, keep our hope in Jesus. Regardless of what's going on in your life, whether you're struggling with your faith or whether you're struggling with mentoring somebody, remember this. Our faith is not in what is seen. Our faith is in something that we can't always see. We can naturally see the effects of it from time to time. But what we really desire is an inward change that produces an outward expression. But you know what? That takes time. That takes time. Tommy. So where are you at this morning? Are you ready to give up? Moms, you at the end of your rope? Stop looking for a sign. And keep your eyes on Jesus. Students, you burn out? Ready for this year to be over? Even then, keep your eyes on Jesus. For those who may be struggling with your faith, you say, Scotty, my faith's not very strong. Remember, everybody's faith starts off small. And for those who are looking for something miraculous to happen in your life, don't miss it this morning. The most miraculous thing that can ever happen in your life is for you to realize that Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins. He took the punishment that you deserved. And because of what he did on that cross, and because of his burial and his resurrection, by you believing in that, you can spend eternity with him and be separated from him no more. That is the greatest thing that could ever happen in your life. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And that is what holds our hope. So this morning as we stand, as they get ready to sing, I want to ask you a question. What are you battling with this morning? Whether you handle it at the altar or in your pew, Do me this favor. When you're done, take one of the connection cards. On the back of it, there's a little area. Fill it out and put it in the offering plate. Let me know how I can pray for you. Grab me as I'm going out. Let me pray with you then. Come up here and grab me now. Let me pray with you now. Everything starts out small, guys. And the biggest influence in our lives are things that are not seen. So this morning, hope in Jesus. Come if you will. Amen.